0: All right, if you would, stand with me for the reading of this morning's text. We are in Ezra chapter 7. I'll be reading verses 27 and 28. Ezra chapter 7, verses 27 and 28. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, has put such a thing as this in the king's heart, to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem, and hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors, and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me, and I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful um, this morning for your word. We pray that you will bless the reading and the preaching and the hearing of your word. We pray that your spirit uh, would be active among us, that you would mix this word with faith, and that uh, it would benefit and bless those who hear it, and that you would use it to conform us all more and more into the image of Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Prophet Isaiah said that we will hear a word behind us. Do you hear that still small voice? Do you hear that word behind you? The word says, This is the way. Walk you in it. This is the way walk you in it. This voice, this word that we hear is God confirming with us that we are where we are supposed to be and doing what we are supposed to be doing. The Lord has been preparing you your whole life. The Lord has given you passions, desire. He's given you gifts. He's given you talents. Why does He do this? See, the Lord has called you to the ministry. The Lord has called each of you to the ministry. Do you know this? Do you believe this? See, it doesn't matter if you were raised as a believer and that you've loved Jesus every day of your whole life, or if maybe Jesus called you to serve him when you were older. Either way, God, as you have heard me say before, God has orchestrated all of human history. Every empire that has come and gone, every king, every nation, every epic battle, every dandelion in every field, Everyone has been used by the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth to lead up to this moment. Right here. (laughs) With you sitting right there, and with me standing right here saying these words to you God has called you to the ministry he has called you to bless his people and in blessing his people he has called you to bless all the families of the earth i wondered a little bit this morning when john kreth was praying if he wasn't looking at my sermon notes because some of the things he's been praying for is exactly what we're going to talk about today If you would, please, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to get this set straight. In Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11. I hear some pages rustling, that's good. The rest of you are using your thumbs. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, And he himself, meaning Jesus, he gave some to be apostles, Some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now when we hear this, we think, well, these are the ministers, right? These are the ones that the the Lord has called to the ministry. Apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. It's partly true they have indeed been called to a ministry. But if we keep reading the passage, we see that they have been called for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Now what is that? For the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith "...and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love." that we may grow up in all things into Him who is the Head, who is Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. And this causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, there's a couple things that jump out here immediately. One is, it is the saints, those redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is those people who have been called to the work of the ministry. Amen? Pretty clear. Now, the other thing that's pretty clear is, we have some work to do. To build up the body, to build up the house of God, right? We are to be ministering in such a way that the body, the house, are you ready for this? Is unified. That the knowledge of Jesus is increased. So that the whole body, every one of us, is being matured and becoming more and more like Jesus. There is work to do, but I, I, love, I love this picture. I love this picture that we are we're called to be crazy in love with Jesus. And then this compels us to be crazy in love with each other to the point that it causes us to speak the truth to one another so that we will all become more and more and more like Jesus. Building up one another in the faith encouraging one another what a beautiful beautiful picture this is what a beautiful glorious work this is that we've been called to and one of my favorite parts about this picture is that it takes every one of us it takes the whole body working together as a body, motivated by love. Motivated by love for the Lord and for each other and for those who don't yet love Jesus. Now, this is a beautiful picture. I love the look of this. It's not that Elder Morris and I get to do all the work of the ministry. See, that's not what it says. For some of you who know me, I'm a little bit like Tom Sawyer, and I like to spread that work around. There's plenty of work to do. If you're, if you're not feeling like there's stuff to do, come see me later. We can talk. but I don't want to set up any false impression here. I don't want to paint this idyllic picture so that you and I are only seeing through rose-colored glasses. Does everybody know what that means? You know what rose-colored glasses means? Okay. Look it up later. You see the ministry that that small voice is calling you to. The vision that the Lord gives you for ministry, it's not likely going to be a calling to comfort and ease and great reputation with the world. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, if I got to pick my ministry, it would probably be something like a food and wine taster in a five-star resort in Hawaii, right? That's what we would pick. Maybe the Lord has called somebody to do that at some point. But the usual pattern is one which includes persecution as you prepare for this ministry. It includes Persecution and suffering as you work the ministry. It is a call to sacrifice, it is a call to give of yourself, to give of the resources that the Lord has provided you until you relieve yourself of that comfort. It is a life of laying down your life. It is a call to real danger and threat to life and limb and loved ones. It is a call to being misunderstood, to having people gossip about you, to have people spread lies about you regarding your conduct and your motivation. This call will include having your heart broken, having to say goodbye to friends and family. I really know how to sell it, don't I? The Lord calls you to come and to die. But let's think of it like this. See, You and I have been called in the same way that Ezra was called. This is not unlike most of the other heroes of the faith that we read about. Everything that I have mentioned applies to Ezra and all those great heroes of the faith. See, he responds faithfully to God's calling. He had prepared for the ministry in a foreign, hostile culture. Surely you don't believe that a scribe of the words of the commandments of God one who was a servant of Jehovah, the God of the Israelites. One who had prepared his heart to seek the Lord, to live it, and to teach it. Was not considered some kind of a freak, some kind of a nut job, some kind of a killjoy in the Babylonian culture. And yet, the Lord showed him favor. Right? We saw this last week in the letter from Artaxerxes. The Lord showed him favor in providing everything he needed to work the ministry to which he'd been called. A ministry, a life, a peril, a trial, a sacrifice, and a heartache. But see, for most of us, This ministry is not going to look like Ezra's. It's unlikely that one of us is going to be singled out by President Trump and he's going to offer us a pile of money and commission us to take God's Word and go out and reform the nation. I'm not saying that couldn't happen. God has done crazier things in the past. What I am saying is that if it happens... And maybe I should have a little more faith and say, when it happens, it is unlikely that it will be someone from our congregation. But what I can tell you this morning is that your ministry will include taking God's Word and reforming the nation. The nation that sits at your dining room table. The culture in which you live and move and breathe. Like Ezra, your call will include planting the seed of revival and reformation in the hearts of those who are immersed in the culture of the world. You and I... Our forefathers and our descendants all suffer from the same condition. See, we are prone to follow in the steps of our father, Adam. And we try to discern good and evil on our own, apart from God's commandments. We are so steeped in our culture that God's commandments often sound strange and unreasonable to us. Like the children of Israel that Ezra was called to. I mean, think about it for a moment. He was called to a people who have a history of being overwhelmed by the worldly culture they live in. And the church today, yea, even us, we suffer in the same way. You and I have been influenced by our culture in more ways than we're willing to admit. And likely in more ways than we even realize. Now, we are often really good at seeing this condition in others. Amen? We can see how the world has tempted others and we can see how their lust rises to meet that temptation, right? But that's not how it goes for us. Actually, we know better than that. This is a, a never-ending, constant battle. Amen, John? We must always be diligent to root out the influence of the world, the flesh, in the devil in ourselves and in our brothers and sisters. This is our call. This is our speaking the truth in love with one another. And this is wide and varied, and it is going to take every talent you can muster. You're going to be called to do everything from explaining to a seven-year-old some of the uncomfortable passages in the book of Judges. The parents know what I'm talking about. Or maybe trying to explain to someone difficult things like the Trinity, Or trying to explain how Jesus can be fully God and fully man at the same time. It defies logic. You will need to pray for grace when you are called to that gut-wrenching work Of counseling someone who is struggling in their faith. Someone who is struggling to believe. Someone who is struggling to believe what God says about himself. Or maybe what he says about who they are and what they should be doing. Or maybe that ministry looks like Titus 2 where you are called to show how you love your spouse and how you love your children, primarily in the way that you love your spouse and love your children. What you do speaks way louder than your words. Maybe you are called to love your spouse that is once again, after 30 years of you extending grace to them, who is once again stumbling into that sin. See, all all of this and more is awaiting those who step out in faith and by faith to embrace the cross, to lay down their lives for the brethren, to offer themselves a living sacrifice. This is what we see in Ezra. And this is what we should expect to see in our own lives. And now, this is going to bring us to the place that is going to expose just how much the world has influenced us, and just how much we have believed the lies of the devil. And we see that in our passage today. All of this that I have laid out is in front of Ezra. Ezra knows his history. He knows what happens to people who come to Israel with God's Word and calls them to righteousness. Ezra understands that this call is to come and Die. And how does he start? Blessed be the Lord God of our Father. Who has done this great work in the king's heart. And he has provided me... He has provided resources. He has provided God's word to go to Jerusalem and beautify or adorn the house of the Lord. Hey, that's the same work we're called to, isn't it? We're called to build the house, to beautify the house, to adorn the house. The Lord is at work in His people to build His house. You see, this is God's work, right? In Psalm 149, we read, For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Isaiah 60, he says, I will glorify the house of my glory. It's the same words. Isaiah 61, we read this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. There's our word. The oil of joy for mourning. "...the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified." Same word. "...and they shall build the old waste, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations." God, through Reformation, is going to beautify and glorify His people, His house, and Himself. And God is the subject of all those verbs. It is His work. And we walk along by faith. We get to participate in that work. But he's not just thanking the Lord here. He's not just blessing Him for the work that he's doing in this house. Look at this, in verse 28 he says, He has extended mercy unto me. Ezra sees this call to come and die as mercy. He sees this as confirmation in his calling he sees that the Lord is strengthening him in the work that he's been called to do. He sees the promise of persecution and suffering and pain and heartache and sorrow and death as mercy. That is amazing. In Jeremiah 33, we read this the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for His mercy endures forever. In the moment when Ezra is sure he is going to die. He breaks out in a doxology. And he raises his hands. And he thanks the Lord. And he said, look at this sovereign Lord acting on my behalf. He moved the heart of the King. He provided me with everything I need to accomplish the work that He's called me to. This is surely mercy and goodness all of my days. He sees this as strengthening. Can you imagine? It it gives him confidence. It encourages him. It gives him hope. He knew that the hand of the Lord his God, unlike Artaxerxes, who kept talking about that God over there, Ezra says, the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. You and I are to recognize that the hand of the Lord, our God, is upon us too. The Lord's hand is upon you. Every face I see. Everyone. And even some of those of you who aren't here. You and I are called to follow Ezra's example. We are called to take God's Word and to push it into every corner of His creation. You are to take every thought captive to God's Word and to teach others to do the same. To make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to observe what? Everything the Lord has commanded. Like Ezra, you and I are to see God's sovereign hand in the whole crazy mess. To see with eyes of faith that the whole crazy mess is truly a beautiful, glorious story. A story that is so beautiful and so glorious that God is gracious enough to let you play a part You have a front row seat. You get to see the Lord at work every day. You get to see the Lord's sovereign plan and will unfold before your very eyes every moment of every day. But see, it's not just Ezra that we follow here, is it? you see, Ezra was a man just like us, and he had his failures, <clears throat> and he had his weaknesses. But there's another model here for us. We've been called to follow Jesus in this ministry. It is Jesus that is ultimately your model and your example. I'm afraid the picture isn't much brighter though, is it? See, Jesus was called to leave all that he knew behind. He was to lay aside his position and his power. And he was called to stoop way down below his rightful place. He was born into poverty. He was born in controversy. From the time of his birth, that old dragon, the serpent, was trying to kill him. He was born in the very shadow of death. Earthly rulers trying to take his life and him knowing that he came to die for his people. He prepared for his ministry, for the call on his life in obscurity, again, outside of the culture of the day. Even though he displayed solemn-like wisdom at an early age, the authorities already were questioning his credentials and his background. Who are you to speak to us like that? Jesus gave to all he came into contact with. He ministered to the most undeserving in his culture. He gladly took on their soiled reputation to show them the love of the Father. And while doing this, he didn't try to gather anything for himself. Not wealth, not reputation, not comfort, not status. He truly wept with those who wept. He was truly a man of constant sorrow. Jesus is the greater. Ezra, right? I mean, he came to his beloved Jerusalem, not only with the Word of God, but as the Word of God, with a full commission from the King of Kings, all caps, he had all power given to him on heaven and earth. By his word and his deed, he taught us to obey every word that God commands. That was Ezra's goal. Like Ezra, all his ministers and servants are freed from tribute, from bondage. Jesus has paid it all. He has set us free. He has loosed the captives. And he gathers up all those who are his to go with him, just like Ezra. For what reason? (laughs) For what reason? As I said, Jesus came to die. Ezra thought he was going to die. I believe the Lord is calling you and I to join him in that death. To take up our cross and to follow him. For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He willingly took the sins of his people. He bore the wrath of his father for those he loved. He was a servant. He was motivated by love. Jesus, as the King of glory, creator of heaven and earth, comes down to earth to serve sinful man. (laughs) As I was thinking about this, I thought, wow, we, we know what this is like a little bit, don't we? Stay with me here a minute. Jesus in His life and ministry, we see it as marked by what? You ready? Bodily fluids and the washing of very dirty bodies. Can anybody relate to that ministry? Nobody? Who here has changed diapers? Who here has been puked on? Who here goes and scrapes people off the pavement as a job? He was born into swaddling clothes. He dealt with issues of blood. People foaming at the mouth because demons. Bleeding wounds. Dirty feet. Making mud from spit. Eating with dirty hands. Dining with the unclean. Having his feet washed with tears. Coming into contact with dead bodies. Ministering to those who are lepers. See, this is, this is what the world can't understand. This is what they fight against with everything they are. See, it terrifies them to give up their lives. To lay down their life for somebody else. That's not the way of the world. The way of the world is, I want what I want, and I want it right now. They demand everything is a right, and it will be given to me right now. Brothers and sisters, whenever you feel this Spirit boiling up within you, and we all do from time to time, you can be assured that this is not from the Lord. This is not that word behind you. This is not that still, small voice. No. This is somebody who's lying to you. But when you are feeling like a suffering servant, when you are feeling like all you do is suffer, when you feel like you are covered in bodily fluids, you are likely walking in the footsteps of Jesus. When you are weak, He is strong. Amen? Second 2 Corinthians, we're told this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me, Here's your check your servant attitude here. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, and in distresses. Is that describing you? Are you doing this all for Christ's sake? Because you are crazy in love with Jesus, and because you are crazy in love with those people that He has put around you? Do you see that in your weakness, He is strong? You see, the only way to the things that we really want as humans, whether we're believers or unbelievers, these are the things we want. The world says you go out and you grab them for yourself. And Jesus calls us to give them all away. And that is the only way to receive them. If you are looking for mercy, and grace, and peace, and comfort, and joy, and blessing, and beauty, And you're called to live a life like Ezra. You're called to live a life like Jesus. You're called to live a life of dying to yourself and living for others. And this, this is where the strength of being a Christian comes from, right? When we can give all this away in Jesus' name, knowing that we can't outgive God in these situations, this is where mercy and grace come from the Lord. He pours it out on us. Our cup runs over. It comes from knowing that we are pardoned, it comes from knowing that we have been adopted as sons and daughters, it comes from knowing that He will never leave us or forsake us. When you hear that word behind you, when you hear that still, small voice, and it is leading you in the way that you should go, and you're wondering, what is the Lord's will for my life? I want you to think on this. That in that suffering, and in those persecutions, and in those afflictions, and in that ministry, and in being a servant, you are to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. You are to pray without ceasing. Yeah, people are going to think you talk to yourself. It's okay. It really is. In everything... Give thanks. Just like Ezra did. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus in you. Wow. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, after this, Right as you're living like this, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. You see, when we offer our body, Jesus promises to preserve it blameless. He who calls you is faithful. He who calls you is faithful. That still small voice, that word behind you telling you to walk in the way, He is faithful. He will complete the work that He has begun. In you. Ezra and Jesus were called. From a human perspective, they were called to an impossible task. They were called to an impossible ministry. You and I, my friends, are called to an impossibly crazy insane, exhausting, beautifully glorious ministry to the saints of God. That's the victory that we walk in. So rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Your faithful Lord is at work. His sovereign hand is upon you as He is working in you and through you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for Your Word this morning. We are thankful for the example that Ezra gives us, that we are to give thanks in all things, even when You call us to come and die. Lord, You not only call us to this work, but You indwell us with Your Spirit. You instruct us through Your Word. You strengthen us through our weaknesses so that we can do Your will, which is to thank You for all of this work that You are doing in our life. Lord, we love You and we praise You and we thank You for Your Word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.